the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is better to be single than to have these added troubles and human lives with all of them, the emotions, the physical needs. Now, in your sphere, not of fellowship, not of friendship, not of acquaintance, but in your sphere of responsibility. Join us now for Grace to the Bay as we glorify the Lord Jesus Christ through sound expository teaching by our teacher, Dr. Roger Chen. Grace to the Bay is the radio outreach of Grace Church of the Bay Area located in San Mateo. If you are blessed by Dr. Chen's message and are looking for a church home, you're invited to come worship with them. Now, here is Dr. Chen. Next week, we will address the danger of worldliness. And one of the examples that Paul gives of being too worldly is actually marriage. Because there is no marriage in eternity, so it is a thing of this temporary world. As wonderful and beautiful and potentially God-honoring as it is, marriage is of this world. It is passing away with the world. This romantic notion people have of romantically reuniting with their spouse who passed earlier than them in heaven, they will reunite as brother and sister in Christ as fellow worshipers of the Lord at his throne, not as husband and wife. And the reason I bring this up is because if you are single and you are preoccupied with your singleness to the degree that you're either consumed with trying to get married or on the other end of the spectrum, taking every worldly advantage, worldly advantage of your singleness by focusing only on yourself, then you have taken the subject of marriage, which includes singleness, to an idolatrous and sinful level. And so if all you're doing is trying to get married, that too, frankly, is taking every worldly advantage to be selfish. We need to be careful and have the right view of singleness. Use your time wisely, not just looking for a spouse, not just feeding your flesh. And oftentimes, we we don't recognize this as singles because the lessons and the norm, the status quo regarding singleness come more from the world than the church because marriage is the norm in the church. You're a student, you're a youth, you're a college student, and then there's married people. Go to any church that has a singles ministry. It is a very small group. The norm is marriage. And so when you're single... Because you don't have a lot of examples in the church, there's not a norm or a status quo. There is rarely even any instruction for it. You default to doing what the world says. And what the world says to do when you're single is travel, purchase, binge watch. You have time. You have the money. So enjoy it. And they almost feed you with this animosity 
towards the world that, that is married and, and feeds you and says, just be bitter towards marriage and say, forget them. I'm just going to enjoy my singleness, travel the world, use my money every dime, every cent. I don't have kids. I don't have a spouse. I'm going to use the money on myself. And that's what the world says. Buy more stuff. Watch your favorite shows. Watch the whole season of your favorite show. You got nothing else to do. You don't have work on weekends or in the evenings. You have no responsibilities. Enjoy it while you can. That's what the world says. What a waste. What a loss. What sin. Even without reading this passage, you as a single person know that that's never what Paul would condone. That's never what Christ would condone. All that to say, singleness is preferred by Paul for its ministry potential, not its pleasure potential, its ministry potential. As Christian singles, you may not do everything that the world does in taking advantage of singleness. You're not sleeping around. You're not getting drunk. You're not experimenting with drugs. But let me ask you this, singles, is it really any less sinful to take all of your money and all of your time that God has given you and use it only for yourself, I submit to you that it is not. So if you want to have the right view of the freedom from extra responsibilities that you will have in marriage, then it must be with a view toward service. You have more time. You have more money. You have more energy for God. Stop watching TV till one in the morning and sleeping in every Saturday. Wake up, serve, get on your knees and pray. Stop buying all that stuff. Use that money to purchase souls for heaven. You know what I mean by that. Give to missionaries. Go out, evangelize, whatever it may be. You know, there's a classic stereotype in the church. And it is that the church is upheld by the faithful prayers of the grandmother. The grandmother who upholds the church. Usually the widow, the retired lady who has more time on her hands. Who is always there praying for every little prayer request. My grandmother-in-law just passed away a few days ago. And there are testimonies flowing in because she was hard of hearing of how people in the retirement home she was in would walk in her room and she wouldn't know they were there because she can't hear them. And she was there moving her lips and with color-coded journal praying for all of the children, all of the grandchildren, all of the spouses, a prayer warrior. It is the grandmother who is always there with a kind word, a well-worn Bible and prayer journal and usually something freshly baked to offer you. And as wonderful as that is, in my opinion, that stereotype should not be of grandmothers. It should be of singles in their 20s and 30s. It should be the single people that we know are always praying for us. It should be the single people that we know are always available for us because they have time. It should be the single people who are always driving around the Bay Area, dropping things off, giving the infirmed a hug. These are the people with the time and the energy which many grandmothers do not have. They should be the ones, you should be the ones, upholding the church in prayer. 
dropping off encouragements, serving. But instead, far too often, they are playing video games, they are traveling, they are Instagramming, they are watching movies. And as a Christian, when you do that, of course you don't get it when Paul says it's better to remain single because you've only filled your singleness with the pursuit of temporal pleasure rather than that which brings eternal joy. So even when your desire to get married, when you have a desire to get married rather, it's all selfish because your whole single life you've been selfish. I want to have kids. I don't want to be lonely. I want to have someone to share my life with. I want, I want, me, 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 me. Because it's a natural transition from your singleness of me, 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 me. But when you fill your days of singleness with that which honors God, no matter how badly you may have wanted to get married your whole life, rather than jumping at the opportunity when you have that to get married, you're actually going to think twice because you're going to realize that you're going to have to give up some of that service that has brought you such incredible joy. That ministry that you are engulfed in, you realize will be hindered as you now need to focus on your spouse and family. How do you want to live, singles? Selfishly or for the Lord? Again, it's not wrong to be married. And that leads us to our fourth explanation for Paul's preference for singleness the alleviating disclaimer. Look at the beginning of verse 28. But if you marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Paul assures us that it's not a sin to get married. We've talked about this extensively, so I don't want to belabor the point. I do want to point out that sin is only defined as sin when you violate a command of God, which we don't have here regarding staying single. And as I've said before, There's nothing in this passage or anywhere else in the Bible that justifies the argument that Paul or God see singleness as superior to marriage. They just don't say it. It's not there. On the flip side, the American Christian culture has created a pressure that makes one think that marriage is the norm and that singles, particularly Older singles are somehow lesser second-class citizens. Not true. Everyone has their place. Everyone has their calling. Everyone has their gift, as we've seen before in 1 Corinthians 7. And we must all use it to God's glory. And we must all encourage one another to use it for God's glory rather than creating this pressure by Uh, in this context, playing matchmaker or giving consolation at a wedding which no one even wants or even feels bad. Oh, don't worry. God will provide. Don't feel bad. And all of a sudden, someone who is never jealous is suddenly thinking, maybe I'm supposed to be jealous. We need to be very careful, friends, single and married. And I know, too, that we can't just sit here as singles and say, yeah, you married. Stop pressuring me. I know there are singles in the church too who have a nasty view of marriage and those who are married for whatever reason. We need to be careful of that and rejoice in our own place and rejoice in everyone else's place as well. And with all of that also, these passages that we're looking at are often misconstrued in the modern church and become a source of anxiety for singles rather than comfort. 
And part of this may be because we Christians today, and especially singles, don't really feel like they're going through any sort of, quote, present distress. And so when we read this, we see some sort of shackles that Paul's putting on singles or some sort of rebuke rather than hearing his loving and caring tone that he had for the Corinthians in light of the difficulties that they were going through. Understand, Paul is not trying to make life hard for you. Paul is not trying to increase your loneliness or lack of contentment. He's trying to help you by keeping you from added difficulties in life. And what is the love that he shows here, the affection? We see this in our final explanation for Paul's preference for singleness, the affectionate desire. The end of verse 28, yet such will have trouble in this life, and I am trying to spare you. Trouble or worldly troubles in the ESV literally means in the Greek to be pressed together or under pressure. Now, you understand to be under pressure. Pressure comes from something. So, for example, uh, in a mountain, pressure comes from the other rocks, from gravity pushing or pulling on something else to bring together. And the word can mean tribulation. It can mean pressure. It can mean affliction, difficulties. And the troubles he is talking about are the difficulties of being a believer that we talked about earlier. And it's not that you won't have these worldly challenges if you are single. So long as you are living faithfully for the Lord, you will face persecution. You will face hardships. We are, again, promised that in Scripture. But when married, your difficulties and sins are now, and here's the literal meaning, pressed together with another individual. So if you caught that, I mentioned two types of difficulties that we're now talking about. External worldly pressures that, are, that begin and come from outside of yourself, outside of your marriage, and then there's your own personal sins that come from within you. Of course, one can lead to another. One can make one worse. For example, the pressures of the world can push you to cave in to Regard, in regards to your convictions and obedience, and so the pressures of the world cause you to have more personal sin, or your own sin can exacerbate the influence of the world on you in your pride and fear of man, and those are just a couple examples. But I want to take each of these individually. When you are single and under pressure or persecution, and it doesn't have to be persecution, it can just be peer pressure from people actually pressuring you or just the status quo of our sinful world, when all of these come from the world around you, as someone who is unmarried, you can be more free to fight, to take a sacrificial stance, because the only person you're concerned about is yourself, your personal safety, your own comfort. When married, all your actions now affect your spouse and kids. We all believe, for example, that we would be willing to die for Christ. But you take pause with that idea when you understand it leaves your children fatherless or your husband a widower. Being bold for Christ and knowing you may lose your job is one thing when you're single, 
It's another thing when you can no longer feed your children or pay their tuition. I'm not saying that you should not do those things. You should still stand up for Christ. But you understand what I'm saying here. Now that now there are others involved. You can't just rec- recklessly just say, you know what, like I did when I was single, you know what, I'm going to move to Albania. It wasn't very planned. It was a last-minute thing. Threw a couple suitcases together, and I went and ended up there for several years. I couldn't do that if I was married. I would have to have more goodbyes, more closure. If I had kids, I would have to check out what school systems there were, definitely find a bigger place to live, a safer place to live. But as a single person, I just needed an apartment. That's all. doesn't matter if it was safe or not. doesn't matter how far the walk was. doesn't matter where the, how far the groceries were. didn't matter. Buy a plane ticket and go. And if on that case, I only had to raise a certain amount. I didn't have to raise enough money to support two, three, four, five people. Even outside the mission field, you get it. Someone says, hey, this person needs help. Big storm, roof caved in, things are flooding. They need help moving all their furniture. Or someone is on their deathbed. They ask for people from the church to come and hold hands around them and pray for them. As a single, you can say, I'm there. I'll be there in five minutes. Well, let me see. I got to do this. We got to put the kids to bed. We got to find a babysitter. We got to... Not that our convictions and willingness to honor God in any way possible should change, but there's more to consider because there are more that will be affected. You have more responsibilities. Those responsibilities you are to honor God with, but they are still extra responsibilities. Those individuals can and will enter into hardship and suffering because of your decisions. Even decisions for the Lord can have physical, emotional, spiritual consequences on your spouse and children. That's external pressure. Now let's talk about your own sin. Your own sin right now just affects you on earth, affects two people, you and God. On a practical level, it mostly affects you. And that is why for many singles, their temptations and their sins in regards to impurity and looking at inappropriate things just as one example, goes on and gets worse and they pray and repent and then they go back to it. Because it doesn't affect anyone. It doesn't affect your demeanor to your kids. It doesn't affect how you treat your wife. There are other issues involved though. Yes, the two become one flesh, but you still have two individualities, your own individualities and personalities. Men, single men, if you think that because God has called you to be the leader of the home, that when you get married, she is just going to absorb your personality and can get rid of all of her wants and likes and dislikes, you are out of your mind. That's not biblical at all. That's definitely not leadership. And now, rather than just even in the dating relationship or friendship, the two are one flesh. One flesh with two distinct personalities, two sets of likes and dislikes, two sets of emotions and levels of emotional triggers, and much more. And because of that, you can't just be selfish. You can't just pick the restaurant without consulting. You can't just up and leave. You can't just turn on the TV and watch, watch what you want to watch. You can't just do whatever you want. When our actions only involve ourselves, we don't realize how selfish we are. But now in marriage, those selfish pursuits cause conflict. 
You know why communication is so important in marriage? Because of conflict. You know why you don't need to communicate with yourself when you're single? Because there's no conflict. And even if you hurt yourself and make a poor decision, you're like, well, it just affects me. No big deal. Move on. Muscle through it. Grin and bear it. You can't just grin and bear it when you've hurt your wife, when you've made your husband feel low or shallow or whatever it may be, feel unwanted. Conflict. Add to that, you now have more responsibility. You have more demands. You have more hardships, more sacrifices and arguments that singleness does not. And just by way of a few examples, in the literally millions of possibilities, you can't just walk away and avoid your spouse because you get in a disagreement with them. Like you can if you get in a disagreement with a friend or even your parent as an adult. You can just walk away. Even if you live with them, you can just go to your room. You can leave, go to your own apartment. No problem. You have to work it out when you're married. Specific instruction on that in Scripture. You can't just relax when you're married and do whatever you want during your free time. In fact, I could argue that if you are married and have free time, you're not doing marriage right. And please don't think for a second that just because you get married that you will never be lonely or that you will not struggle with lust or more for the women, seek someone to want you and give you attention. In fact, not only will those things happen, they will be worse because in your mind, in married to a Christian, that shouldn't happen and yet it happens. And so the loneliness is actually deeper. The lust and the wanting is perhaps not worse, but it's more guilt-ridden and affects you more. These things that you would do as a single to alleviate those things or go do something sinful and inappropriate to indulge your lust, oh, those are a big no-no now. You cannot do those. You can't do those now as a single in a sinful way, but you definitely can't do that when you're married. Sins are now more sinful when it comes to temptations of lust. Recreational fellowship to alleviate loneliness can't be just pursued at a drop of a hat. You're not alone anymore. You have someone else to consider. And what Paul is saying is that because of all of these things, it is better to be single than to have these added troubles and human lives with all of that, the emotions, the physical needs, now in your sphere, not of fellowship, not of friendship, not of acquaintance, but in your sphere of responsibility. Men and women, these people are now your responsibility. And out of love and spirit-inspired wisdom, Paul is trying to spare believers from all of this. But even if it's just for a couple more months because you're engaged, a few more years, if you desire to be married or whatever it may be, I would still take these principles and use them. You can't say, well, marriage is for me, and then say, well, because of that, I can use my singleness selfishly. No. You still need to use your singleness in the way that we're talking about so that when you do get married, if you do get married you have already established a pattern of selflessness that's going to make your marriage work. That's also why you need to make sure you are dating the right person 
and dating the right person in the right way. You know, we focus so much on being pure in dating relationships, and and that's good. You need to be pure. But my friends, you need to be working on communication. You need to be working about encouraging one another to love and good deeds. You need to be working on having uh, communication, not just about problems and what marriage should look like, but on just being a brother and sister in Christ. Are you just laughing and joking and having a good time, or are you bringing joy into the picture by encouraging one another biblically, by rebuking one another biblically? Don't just grin and bear it because you really like that girl or like that guy. You need to biblically address sin when sin occurs in dating relationships. You're supposed to do that with people you're not dating. You're supposed to do that with me. You definitely should be doing it if you think you're going to marry that girl or that guy. Well, to the point of the passage, five explanations for Paul's preference for singleness. The apostolic disclaimer, this is not a command, it is advice, but is spirit-inspired advice. The ambiguous difficulty, although we can principalize that to just difficulties in general for Christians. The authoritative directive to it is better to remain single. The alleviating disclaimer, it is not sin to get married, to be married, to pursue marriage. And the affectionate desire out of Paul's understanding and wisdom, out of love for the church and for God, he says, I'm trying to spare you guys. I entitled this sermon, Saving Singleness. And I didn't mean that just in the sense that Paul is redeeming the idea of singleness, but singleness saves you from these added difficulties in life. Let's pray. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. For the next part in this series, join us next week at this same time. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You are invited to join them for worship services in San Mateo, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit gracebayarea.org for service times, directions, live streamed services, listen to archived sermons, or to make a tax-deductible donation to help keep Grace to the Bay on the air so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Again, that's gracebayarea.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.